Dr. Cole, I read that this week. I wish I'd have written it down. He, he said, you can't have more than you're willing to be obedient for. Everything turns on your obedience. So let's read verse 19 together. Ready, read. If ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. Well, let's turn it to first person. When I am willing and obedient, I shall eat the good of the land. That's amazing. Well, uh, I read a thing from Mike Murdoch. I hadn't heard from him in years, but I got a little card this last week. And he, one of the things in the little booklet that he sent was that God is talking about money all the time. The wise man listens. And then uh, I was meditating on how we, how far or amazing would it be if we'd have hit it every time? If we had given every time he said give, and what, what couldn't happen? You go, well, God would just do it anyway. Uh, that's not how it works, is it? Uh, there's a master plan for each one of us, and the master plan is on the assumption that you are willing and obedient. So when we miss it, when we just put the quarter on the Bible instead of the dollar in the quarter, things change. Things are different. It takes a plan B, as it were. And I've, I've missed it many times. Sometimes you don't know for a day or six. And sometimes when you look back, you realize we were supposed to be there, but there was no seed to take us there. It's very unusual for Christians to, to think along these lines. What will be will be is kind of the default of Christian theology, but it's not what the Word says. The Word, word tells us specifically, as Jonathan has pointed out here, if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Well, there's an implication there that if you're not a willing or if you're not obedient, then you're going to miss or bypass the good of the land. So I praise God for the times I've hit it. I, you can't lament about when you missed it. Because we've all grown up, and the Lord has a way, I've noticed, of circling back and giving you another shot at it. You know, it's not, it wasn't necessarily the timing that if you'd hit it the first time, but boy, he's been good to me to come back around and say, Okay, let's do this again. Let's, let's hit this again. And so, uh, he's so good. He's so good. It's amazing here at River Church what the Lord has done for us financially. I don't know if you ever look around and think, how in the world are we doing this? <laughs> uh, in years gone by, I've gone into great debt to stay in the ministry. I remember when uh, we were in the ministry in West Texas, I was determined to not let my sons have a taste of the ministry that said we didn't have anything because my dad was a preacher. I just couldn't stand that. I couldn't bear that. But some things you just can't do anything about, apparently, because you don't know what you don't know. So we would go into debt. We would go into debt to make sure that we never had lack. Because I always thought that you can just pay off your debt. But once something's happened in your family that has poverty or lack or shortage that says, well, we, we're not as good as the other kids because their dads have real jobs and our dad's a preacher, he's a pastor. 
I just couldn't bear that. I didn't know how else to address it. I don't know if what I did was right or not. Obviously, if I could have believed God or uh, got faith in, in about it, but I was unwilling to let that thing. So uh, sometimes we spent $3,000 at Christmas. Just Most of it was clothes and, you know, things they got to have anyway. But we threw down because we were in the ministry and we made it look good as we could. Uh, like I said, we, we helped God a little bit here, maybe quite a little bit, but then he made it up. He would send the money to pay off our debt. I'm not advocating that. I'm not saying that's even right or good theology. I'm just saying we have to protect, we have to protect who we are until we can get it right, until I could figure it out and figure out how to get enough to give a $3,000 Christmas, I had to just wing it. And the Lord honored it because I was willing. And even now, my sons, there's, there's no lack in them or not much. Uh, now, Eric is a penny pincher. I'm telling you, I have given him money before and he has snatched it out of my hand and opened his billfold in the same fell swoop put it in, folded it, and put it in his pocket. I mean, you, you blinked, and it was gone. He's, uh, he's that way. So anyway, back to this. I still was sowing seed into my family, even though it was borrowed seed. I've borrowed a lot of seed over the years because you just didn't know, but you knew you had to sow seed. Nothing was going to happen. It was better to sow seed and be in debt than to be debt-free and have no seed. I mean, I, I'm not, I am not saying that was a good thing. I'm just saying it's all I knew at the time. And, you know, the debt cost us these things and another. I, I've been in debt most of my life under the same auspices. But the Lord's always come through. You know, even if you don't know better, he, 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 he swings back around. So River Church is blessed. I, I couldn't even tell you how he pays the bills. I can just tell you that he always pays them. We gave Miss Nicole $750 last Sunday. Uh, we were able to add to the offering a little bit, but the big end of it came from y'all. And I want to appreciate y'all for, for that. We, uh, we sow $200 a month into Nicole, not because she has a great track record, not because she's fiery, you know, uh, preacher here and that, She's just an investment that, uh, and she, you know, I have a little thing in my life. I don't want to bore you all with all this, but if you stay with me, if you stay with Michael Billings, I will never forget you, no matter what you do. There's people that have left River Church, and it was kind of ugly, but I'm loyal to them. I'd come to the rescue because they were with, they stayed with me. I'm just, you know, that's how that is. So... You know, Nicole was with us. She was here a number of years, all the time she went to UA. She lived with the Nodines, I think, didn't she? And, uh, and she stayed in our life. And I appreciate getting to sow a seed. We sow into Emily Davis. You know, depending on who I'm with, I tell them they're my favorite missionary. <laughs> There's two sides to your mouth, you know. And uh, we sow into quite a few people. But mostly it's, uh, it's Nicole and Emily that we stay with. It's good to have seed out there. So I appreciate y'all. 
Thank you for doing your part, but really I can't repay you. The Lord has to do the repaying. All I can do is set an opportunity, sort of set a bucket in front. And that's what we did. Steve Sampson, I talked to him yesterday, and, and uh, he's in Jasper, Alabama this morning. And then he's going home Monday morning early, drive all the way back to Missouri. It's 12 hours, he said. And then he's going to come back in August, and he's going to come to River Church in August. So we, had, we hadn't got a date yet, but we, we got him on the line saying he'll come. And he's, he's, a, good, he's a good fit for us. Everybody, every, every pastor's got their favorites that just fit well. And uh, I've, had, I've heard people say, well, Joe Morris, all he does is, is preach the same thing. You know, we, about now we ought to know about that end time stuff. I didn't say that he was an idiot. I just thought that he was when he said that. <laughs> you know, Joe helps us. And Ross has helped us. And we need help. We all need help. And so um, Jonathan has been here. We're going to get Kimberly back. We had her scheduled one time, and, and then she, she had to wave us off, and, of course, Melissa and others. So thank you for helping this, this ministry. So I said all that, not to say anything more, but to say, if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. I'm so thankful there's some good in the land. I'm so thankful that I can eat the good that is in the land. But I don't, I don't know how to line up to it. I don't know how to connect to it without getting carnal and getting political. So we just sow our seed and let the Lord take care of that. Put us at the right place at the right time. So, Father, we thank you. Well, Joey's in the aisle. Does anybody need an envelope? Wendy does. We're going to thank him twice. I'm sorry, Joey. I got carried away with myself. Hallelujah. Did Nicole tell us how much it was going to cost for her to go to that language school? $4,000 for six weeks of Spanish school. And she's got to be a certain amount proficient before she even shows up. They're not going to give her the basics. They're going to fine-tune her. And it's like $4,000. Now, she told you, I don't know if she told you, but I know, she made six figures working for... Southern Nuclear. I don't know what y'all think six figures is, but I'm pretty impressed by it. And uh, she just walked away from it. It's, it's amazing. I, I walked away from something in West Texas. All of y'all have walked away from something. And you just, you just can't, it's just going to be good in front of that. So she impresses me with her faith. And y'all impress me with your faith. And I'm not easily impressed. So, Lord, we thank you for this seed being so special to the kingdom. The amazing ability of this seed to change, to transform, to upgrade, promote our future. It's just, it's just amazing, Lord. There is no end to this seed. So we position ourselves for increase, Lord, this morning. We thank you, Lord, this seed is empowered to change every one of our future. It will be different because of what we did this morning. And I thank you, Lord, for the increase of seed, that we have seed again to sow from this seed. We have bread again to eat from this seed. 
And it will never be different from that. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you for that scripture, Jonathan. Praise God. And we're going to show you pictures of Sunday Gar. Uh, we just got them yesterday, and so we're... I don't know how. I, anyway, Sunday Gar's mother-in-law passed away. She got sick, and there was no room in the hospitals for her. Because uh, right now, uh, Sunday Gar told Pastor West that he's having a hard time building because they'll only let two people be in a vehicle at the same time because COVID is so bad. So uh, he has a helper that he drives 22 minutes from his home to the church, his present home, and they can't, they can't ride together. So it's, it's two trips and it's $100 a week, to, just a lot of challenges. And of course, you know, the roofer fell, he was, fell on his head and the Sunday guard said he's sick in his head. So uh, they've had to pay more than they thought to get upgraded. But anyway, we've sent all the money that we promised, $5,500. And uh, I, don't, I don't know how it's going to work because he has no, like, oh, we'll make it up some other way. There's no other access in the natural. But uh, they, they're, they're touching it off. You know, there's not much progress to be shown when you're just mudding the walls and painting the trim and you know, like it was when they were roofing. So he's got a lot of pictures, and we're going to show them to y'all. But uh, he has a paid-for church, which is unheard of in any nation, but especially in Africa. The man that came through, who's kind of an overseer in Africa, he said it's never happened. He said it has happened where two large churches got together and, and, and had an established church in Africa that outgrew their building, and they would, they would piddle in. They would, send him, they would send these people tip money, is what I call it, where they wouldn't just send them. They would just ever, they'd say, okay, everybody that wants to give to the church in Africa, you get back there, and there'd be 50 or 80, a big church, be very little, and they would send that, and it would take years to build the church. Is this right, Jonathan? And uh, so this, this overseer said, three months, and you have a paid-for church by two churches that are smaller than just about everybody. It's quite the, the supernatural for him. And it's because we sowed seed into the supernatural there, a paid-for church and a paid-for house. When's the last time you went to a paid-for church in, with your paid-for house? So that's what's in our future. Now, if you'll get around this, I am sure, I am sure, I am positive, this is our future. And we're just not letting it go. And we didn't sow it for that specifically, but I can tell you, the Lord told me, like the $125, yay, amen. And then I had one other thing to tell y'all. It'll have to come to me, though. Oh, about Lynn. Now, we're, before we go on broadcast. I know y'all are all asking about Lynn, and I appreciate it because Lynn's just, he's just here all the time. Since he started coming here all the time, he's just here all the time, so he just never misses. He calls me sometimes on Monday and says, it's two days till Wednesday, I can't wait. You know, he's just really, his life has been changed. He was a Baptist, 
And if you ever remember how it was to be a Baptist and then be something else. And I appreciate you letting me be discreet about him. I know all about him. I know everything about it. So I'll just tell you he's well. He's fine. But he just, he just is limited from coming to church at this point. So he's missed two Sundays. And uh, uh, I can promise you he wants to be here. But he just, he just can't yet. But he will. And, and if he wants to tell his story. But if you were in this situation... We wouldn't tell your story for you. We'd wait for you to say, you know, it's, it's not a bad story. I appreciate you praying for him, though. That's what we ought to do. Uh, I have people dogging me like, well, where is he? And I need him now. And yes, we do. Someone, you know, Lynn's got something going every 30 seconds. He, he, I don't want to say anybody wears me out, but he, he comes close. He, he, he is such a blessing. But anyway, he'll, he'll be back, and it'll be fine. It'll be better for him uh, having, having this come behind his life. Uh, but thank you for your prayers. It, that's what I'm going to say. That uh, Just pray for him. He's, and you go, well, what about? It doesn't matter if you know what the what about is. Just pray for the man like we would pray for you. And we have prayed for you at times. When Jonathan died... No, you didn't die. You almost died. Or it seemed you wanted to die and were afraid you wouldn't or something. <laughs> you know. So, you know, we just jumped in there and prayed for them and, and for you and for your family. That's what we do. But we don't have to know details. And like I said, I'll be I'll be discreet when your issue ever comes up. Was that it? That's it. Amen. We are, we are praying out the plan for River Church. We have uh, river teams on our front burner so that if uh, anybody wants to say, you can do them at my house or I'll do them at my house. I mean, where you would host it and say, I'll, I'll do it all. It's going to be real simple. It's nothing hard or complicated. But anyway, we got that. But I told you, that's, that's y'all's ministry. I am not going to do it like I've always done it, with just like, okay, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm not going to do it anyway. And the other thing is, is we want to have a prayer team. We're gearing up to have a prayer team that's here early, early on Sunday mornings, that goes back in the office, and, and we're going to put it on our website and other means to have people that need healing in their bodies to come before service on Sunday morning and get healing. We're going we're gonna to heal the sick on Sunday morning. And then if they want to come to church, yay. If they don't, well, that'll be yay too. Our business is... Now, let me just tell you this while I'm on this. I used to be different than this, but I'm different now. The people I deal with are almost all born again. Do you all know who I'm talking about? Your friends are usually born again. If they're not, you need to get them saved. Now, that's just the end of that. If your friends are not born again, that's all you've got to think about. But most of the people I run into are born again. They're Baptist or Methodist or whatever. And so if they don't want this gospel, I used to get wound up and said, well, you're going to go to a second kind of hell if you, don't, if you don't have this abundant news in your life. But that's not true. They're going to heaven anyway. I'm so happy for them to go to heaven. And if they don't want this abundant life, well, just walk on by. Just walk on by and be salty and be full of light so that they'll always be watching you saying, you know, I, I passed that up. 
The abundant life is for here on earth. So if they don't want it, if they think they've got their get-along going good enough, we just let them go. I don't get real wound up about people that are born again anymore that don't want the good news. I'm going to live it. I'm going to tell them I am uh, anything they want to know. I've got everything they need. But if I try to talk them into it and they say, nope, ah, there's somebody else that does. So that's, that's my tone on that. I want to invite them to church. Thank you for inviting them to church. I think that the, the one man that's been listening to us for over a year, uh, I asked Deborah, I said, was it, was it that joke on Sunday that I gave that uh, uh, turned him loose or something? I, I don't know. That was the Sunday morning we did the $50 bills under a chair. Uh, if that burns you, if that galls you, well, just stay home. We don't care. Amen. Children, I'm sorry. Somebody's having a birthday this week. She's going to be older than she's ever been. (laughs) Bye, y'all. Thank you, Miss Lisa. Yay. Yay. Oh, I love y'all so much. Thank you so much for helping us. Yes, ma'am, I'm ready. Hallelujah. Don't y'all love broadcast? Yeah. It just gives a new weight and a meaning to all that we're doing. It's, it's, uh, it's powerful. So I want to welcome you to River Church this morning. We're in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and we want to invite you to attend a service on Sunday morning. We start at 1010, and we're here. Look, up, look us up on our website at riverchurchalabama.org. We'd be glad to have you and if you'll come, we'll pray for you. We will pray for you. You will, you will find the power of God here, and we'll turn him loose on you. Uh, if you're here this morning, I want you to turn, if you would, in your Bible to the book of Romans. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 8. I want to start a new series this morning that I'm real excited about. I've never heard anybody preach on this. Never, never read it, or, but the Lord started dealing with me about something uh, a number of months ago, and I've been meditating it since then, and I'm going to call it Qualified Now to Receive It All. Qualified Now to Receive It All. By faith, just point to yourself, by faith and say, I am qualified now to receive it all. Okay, let's do better. I am qualified now to receive it all. Now, based on your passage, passion about that very statement determines whether you're going to be able to get yourself healed on your own, whether you're going to be able to get your needs met on your own. Mostly it's, it's, uh, it's healing that I'm going to focus on because we always can navigate the, the financial realm. They can't put you in jail for it. Um, you know, we can do without, but when healing is an issue and you can go anywhere and say, I'm going to get brother doodly do to, to lay hands on me and you leave that place and nothing happened, then you're left with just you and the doctors. And sometimes doctors financially are not an option. It's a tough place and we ought to know how to be healed based on our own faith. 
Would y'all agree with me on that? That we ought to. It ought to be part of who we are as much as we are about we are. We believe that you ought to go to heaven. You ought to, you ought to go to heaven. Romans chapter 8. Look what it says in verse. I love this scripture. I, I hope you've got a big star around it. Verse 31. So there's a discourse going on in chapter 8. What a powerful chapter. And then he says in verse 31, what shall we then say to these things? So there's some things that he said. If God be for us, who can be against us? Now, isn't that powerful? Yes. If God be for us. So there you could just settle it. Is God for me? Well, then what difference does it make what they're saying or they're doing or they're plotting or planning? God is for me. What difference does it make after that? Because he is, he's able. In verse 32, it says, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. Look, look, here, look at the rationale. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Now that makes good sense, doesn't it? If he paid the big debt, what is this stuff that we're dealing with that's this side of heaven, that's this side of salvation? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. So how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? All things. Can you say it with me? All things. Let's do it again. All things. So it's not a choice. It's not an option. It's not like, well, I got saved. That's all I need. I'm, I'm so happy with being saved. Yay. That's enough. That's enough. Well, you're, you're not, you're, you're foolish because he said there's more than getting born again. Born again, the new birth is the door. It's the way, but there's so much more to hear on earth. And the new birth isn't just for going to heaven. It's not just a life insurance program or fire insurance. It's the, it's the gate to having a relationship with him. It's not just that we're going to get saved so we can miss hell. That is a low-level appreciation for the new birth. Just to say, I just don't want to die in torment, so I'm going to get saved so I can go to heaven. And it's just, it's so mechanical. It's so, it so leaves out relationship. It so leaves out the love of God that's shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy. It's so everything wrong to just say, the preacher said, if you want to miss the fire of hell, you better get your scrawny little self down here and do some talking about how you want to get saved. It's so, it's so wrong in its, I mean, it may work, but it's so wrong. And I'll tell you, people that get saved that way, it doesn't last long. It's, it says, uh, let me just read this to you in chapter 10. It says in verse uh, 9, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, until we make Jesus Lord, there is no supernatural in your life. Let me just tell you, that's what he told me. Until you make him Lord, even at the, at the new birth, make him Lord. I surrender it all. And you leave that experience changed. It's like, I'm not going to the bars anymore. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to whatever anymore. You probably can't hold that for a while, but once we make him Lord, the supernatural flows, and there is no supernatural until Jesus is Lord. Amen. 
So I want to walk, I want to walk in the supernatural. I want to live this one and only life that we've got, that everybody's just living it like me. They're breathing and they're exhaling and their heart's thumping and all the things that go with physical life. I want more. I want my one and only life to be supernatural. I want to experience that and I want to release that. I want it to come to me so I can let it come through me. I, the greatest feeling, the thing that blesses you and me more than anything is giving. We love to bless people. If, uh, we especially like to give out of somebody else's purse, but, but if, you, if you can't do that, everybody in here loves to give to their family, to their friends, to their grandchildren. It's like, well, yeah, that's what I want to do. And so to do that, you've got to make Jesus Lord so you'll have seed. So what about receiving healing? Why are we less confident in our lives about receiving healing than we are about the new birth? If we took a poll across the land, not everybody, but most people would say, I believe I received when I prayed the new birth. I am born again. And especially when you explain it, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And you go, I did that. I nailed it. Well, isn't there more? Nope. Don't have to straighten up anything. You don't have to promise anything. You don't have to be good. It'll help you be good, but it won't keep you out of heaven if you're not. Boy, people don't like that, but that's the truth. Being good, performance is not anything in the equation of the new birth, of going to heaven. It's not in the equation at all. Performance is not there. Now, you won't have much to go to heaven for for rewards if you don't do anything. It'll be like a deathbed confession where you make Jesus, you, you, you receive him right before you take your last breath. And there's no rewards for that man or woman. And for a lot of Christians, they got born again. And in six months, they were completely backslid and gone back to the world. But they're born again. I know you'll want to argue with me about that, but uh, I can back it up. The Word says it, and it's not religious in that saying. So when, well, how, do, how do Christians receive healing? What is the common approach to healing? Well, if you're serious about healing, the common approach is to confess healing scriptures. Tell me where I, when, when I'm wrong. We confess healing scriptures. In other words, we renew our mind and we put it in our heart. By his stripes, I was healed. Am I right? And if, if, that, if we can do it more than one day, that's better. And if we knew it every day, we'd get up and read our little Charles Caps, which is good. And we read uh, Kenneth Hagin confession scriptures. That's good. Or we just have them marked in our Bible. You go through your your Bible, and you've got them marked. You know where they are, and you confess them, and that's good. But how many people do you know that do that that are sicker than a dog, just not happy with their bodies at all? Very unpredictable how it's going to go. And we're all, in a certain amount, acclimated to the fear of the world. There's one out of three people get cancer, one out of six gets this, and one out of 18 gets that, and you know, it's just, it's staggering, the, the statistics that are against us. How come we're the same proportion of people that are sick as the world? Who don't know God, don't like God. And they're sick. Sometimes they're not as sick as the church. Could be. Hallelujah. 
So we confess the legal side. By his stripes I was healed. And that is the legal side. And you do have to know the legal side. But how many of y'all know we believe that? We believe the price was paid for us by his blood for us to be healed. He was at that pilot's post and they whipped him till the shedding of blood was, he was completely, Isaiah says, he was not recognizable as a man. They all but killed him, but they could not. And so they wanted to crucify him is the reason they didn't. So we believe that. I believe that. I've believed that for a long time. I don't believe God's going to heal me. Yeah, we do. We believe that the price has been paid. So if that is what we do is confess the legal side, and if we are still sick, just, just go there a little bit. If we're confessing and believing, but we don't see relief, it could be that we've got an answer to a problem that is not valid. In other words, we're addressing the wrong problem. That's not the answer. Now, I, I grant it. You ought to go through a healing book. If you don't know anything about healing, you ought to get a book and find out what happened at the post and at the cross. You ought to, you ought to know that it was definitively paid for, and there's no doubt. There's nobody left out. doesn't matter how bad you've been, how, what you think, what your It doesn't matter. The stripes of Jesus were enough. For you and I to get healed. Everyone of everything at every time. It goes, you can't go that way. Yes, that's the price was paid for everyone to get healed of everything every single time. God's not teaching us, instructing us. He's not chastening us with sickness to make us understand anything. Except I hate it. I just hate to be sick, don't you? We just hate to be sick. So... If uh, it'd be like churches, and I know these churches, you do too, where everybody in the congregation is saved. They're all born again. And, and if it's a pastor, he looks out there and he knows everybody in there is born again. But what does he preach anyway? What does he throw the net? Let's get saved. You ought to get saved. There's a hell out there. And if you don't get saved, you'll be in that hot place. And you go, that's crazy. Everybody in there is already saved. Everybody in there needs answers about prayer and about healing and about raising their kids and, and um, uh, depression. But nope, we're talking about going to heaven even though everybody in there is saved. We thought, that's crazy. Well, it'd be the same thing is, is if we just got up and said the legal side, by stripes you were healed, and we didn't ever change what's inside. So what's inside? I believe he paid the price for me, but the problem with me is condemnation. I'm disqualified. You may not ever say it or even know it, but that's, that's why we don't get healed, is we are self-disqualified. Now tell me when, when I've gone too far, but can we fix that? We can fix that. Well, anything that we can fix... We should fix. If it's the answer to the problem, we ought to fix that problem instead of saying, I got this answer over here, and, and it'll fix some problem, but it's not the one that I'm having. So I believe, I've said it before, that God's a better giver than we are receivers, that he's perfect. Now, men blame God. Well, God's this, and he didn't do it because of that, and I've got it figured out, and he did this because we were bad. 
And they make God a bad giver, but he's a perfect giver. He's, he's got no conditions. The only thing you have to be is, is born again. To believe God for healing, you've got to be born again. Because healing's not available to the heathen. Now, God will heal them. Somebody, you and I will go and we'll lay hands on them. And they'll get healed and delivered and rise up and go. And you don't have any idea what their spiritual condition is. But they, they cannot believe God or position themselves from a legal side to say, I believe I'm going to get God to, to heal me. Well, if you're not born again, that won't work. I heard Curry Blake. I read an example he gave on this where, where you go in for an interview for a job and you sit down and the, the manager says, well, we got this benefit and this 401k and then we give you this much days off. And it's marvelous. And, uh, and we're saying, well, we want that, but we don't want to work for you. It's like, well, you, you got to show up on Monday and you got to stay here till five o'clock or none of these things count. Well, that's the way it is for people that aren't saved. These, these are benefits. Forget not all his benefits. These are benefits and they come with the new birth. Irrevocable, irre- they're, they are absolute, but you got to be born again. Well, if you don't know if you're born again, it's pretty hard to make a case to God. And a lot of people don't know that they're born again. So we are unable to procure healing into our bodies only, not legally, only if we're born again, if we're not self-disqualified. In other words, we reject it. And we would never say, God, I'm refusing healing, but we just don't. We just don't receive it. And it's, uh, you've got to receive it. Romans chapter 8, you're right there. Look in verse 1. Now, who, who loves a scripture more than Romans 8, 1 and 2? What scripture do you like better than that? Well, there's some dandies in there, but I'm telling you, this is in the top 5 or 10. Uh, there is therefore... So the therefore, what's it there for? Well, he's talking about chapter 7. And he comes to a summation. You know, the the Bible wasn't written in chapters. So there's a summation, and they start at verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Why? Why is there no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus? For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So he says there's nothing there to hold you. They, they, they got handcuffs on you, but they can't, they can't lock them. They, they're just, they fall right off. No condemnation. But now look at that verse 1. Isn't that interesting that it says in verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. I get that. Do you? I get that. But then I don't get this second part. Who walk not after the flesh. Well, that's kind of ambiguous. What's the line of the flesh? Did you tell a little lie or did you tell a big lie? Well, I, I walked after the flesh But over here, I didn't walk after the flesh. In other words, you'd have to be perfect, wouldn't you, to not have some flesh. I don't know what walking after the flesh, where where the line is. But if you weren't always in the spirit, which we should be, 
wouldn't you have to say who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit would disqualify the first part? Well, guess what? I looked it up. I looked it up in the original. And there is no who walk after the flesh, but after the spirit who walk not after the flesh. It's not in the B-I-B-L-E. I invite you to go look it up. It's not in there. And in some, my, my version doesn't, but in some, it's in italics, which means, what does that mean? It's not in the original. It was added by the translators to bring clarity. Or not. So let's just read it without that and see how strong it is and how inclusive it is. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Why? For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Period. Is there condemnation? Well, you know, if, if, if you did this and if you didn't do that and, you know, if you messed around here and you had a little season there, then you're condemned. You are condemned inside because we don't like it when we mess up. And it's hard for us to, in our own heart, to be justified because we just said it. We just didn't say it. We did it or we didn't do it. We messed up and we are condemned by our action. But if heaven's condemning us, then what do we need Jesus for? Now, I'm, I'm just, I'm not walking that line, but I'm saying, if he's just good there when I'm in the spirit, if he's just good, there's no reason for me to have condemnation anyway. I'm only going to be under condemnation when I mess up, when I walk in the flesh. Are y'all getting this? So it's not in there. It's, that part is not in there. Like I said, go look it up. So the last half of the verse is added. So here's what no condemnation means. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. First of all, it means there's no verdict against you. No verdict against you. There's no sentence being passed. And there's no punishment following. No condemnation. You're free. You may go. The charges are dismissed because Jesus stepped in with the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And he, because of that, hath made me free from the law of sin and death. What's the law of sin and death? The man who sins shall surely die. It's, it's in operation. But he stepped in. And said, I got this. I got this. There's no condemnation. There's no, there's no shame on you. Little time out will help you get over here and time out. Nope, there's nothing. You go, that can't be right. That can't, God can't just let you go when you mess up. Sure he can. Well, we'll all just mess up. No. <laughs> sin hurts. There's death in sin. But heaven's not sending it. Heaven's not appointing you and I to death, but the law of, but the, uh, the, the seed time and harvest, the curse that's in the earth, the, there's plenty of things not to sin. 
except for heaven not being mad at you. There's plenty of reasons. If you steal, they're looking for you. If you kill somebody, God forgives you. No condemnation. I know that's a big mouthful right there. But the law is looking for you. And if you're under the bed in the second bedroom, they're going to look. And they're going to find you. And they're going to drag you off. So, no verdict, no sentence, no punishment falling. None. Well, then how come we feel condemned? It's me. Because I just can't get off of this thing that's in the world that if you sin or break the law, there's consequences. And there is. But not in heaven. Well, God's going to get you for that. Nope, he's not. He already got Jesus for that. And I'm free. I'm going to read that part right there to you. Hath made me free. You know, we sing a song that we change. It says, he will make you free. Why does religion want to change that song? Remember the scripture song we sing? For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus will make you free. That's wrong. That's evil. That's unrighteous. The truth is he already has made me free. And that's it. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians, if you were. Let's push this a little bit. Because we are, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, we are 100% condemnation free. You go, well, okay, I get that. I, you know, you don't have to repeat it. You don't have to go on. You sure don't have to preach this over and over. Sure we do. Because we know things in our head legally, but experientially, we are still condemned. And if we're condemned for anything that we did, if we're condemned from heaven, I mean, if we're condemned in our heart, then when heaven says, I want to heal you, we can't receive it. Why? Because we're condemned. Heaven didn't condemn us, but I'm condemned. I did a bad thing. I'm not, I'm not going to ask God for healing. I, I don't deserve it. And that's, that's how the, the, the back part of the brain, the what do you call that, the, uh, the subconscious or whatever? That's the powers that are working behind the scene, how they rationalize. The mouth doesn't get it. The mouth doesn't say it. The mouth doesn't say, I can't be healed this Sunday because it's just been six days since I did a bad thing. I said a naughty word, and it's going to take another couple weeks. Nobody ever says that, but everybody is working off of that. And therefore, we pass on healing. We're, we don't have a confidence. This is as good as if I never sinned. And that's what it is. It's as if I never sinned. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The unrighteousness is not from heaven because you'll never be unrighteous. We're sealed by the Holy Ghost, aren't we? So we're sealed. So sin can't come in. Sin can have no, no effect inside of me. So the cleansing from all unrighteousness isn't from heaven. Like, I'm going to cleanse you, but you are so nasty. But I'll cleanse you. He already did. The cleansing is in my head. When I confess my sin, he forgives me. And in that forgiveness, it's so absolute, so full, that I am free from the remembrance of sin. 
I confessed it, and he cleanses me from all unrighteousness. Therefore, it's as if I never sinned. Isn't this good, y'all? Doesn't this just bless you? It's like Andrew Womack says, this is the almost too good to be true news. It's like this, it can't be this good. Like we've been saying, the good news is, the bad news is wrong. (laughs) It's like it can't be that way because nothing that we encounter in the earth, no, no example is in the earth that has that kind of rapport or agreement or witness to heaven. Alone does heaven work this way. Alone. There's no other thing you could say, oh yeah, it's just like over here. There is no other. There's a penalty. There's a punishment for everything we do that's outside of the box, outside of the, the rules, outside of the line. There's, there's consequences. I just love this. The Amplified said, oh, let's read it in 13.5. Excuse me, we hadn't read it. 13.5 says, examine yourselves. Okay, whether ye be in the faith, prove your own selves. Examine yourselves. So the word qualify in, is not in the Bible. The word qualify, qualifies, qualification, it's not in the Bible. But the word that lines up with qualifies is examine yourself or prove yourself. So you've got to get the situation that you're in that you, you, won't, you won't receive healing for. Or you go up there and say, I'll receive it, but it's kind of a thing. I know y'all will relate to this. It's kind of a thing that says, I hope he does, but it's not for sure. Because I may not be as good or as, I may be on the hook for more than what uh, God thinks. Because he knows my heart. I mean, we have all this squirrely religious thinking that goes in behind the scenes in our head. That makes us go up there for healing. Well, bless God, he's coming up here for healing. He's going to get healed. Or he's just going to be at home. We're really talking not here about someone praying for us, but about just sitting down and saying, man, I got a, I got a tough old headache here. I'm going to believe I receive when I pray. What goes into action as soon as we say that? It's the back end. We start listing or refreshing our memory about things that we've done or not done. Naughty things. Y'all have any naughty things that you can bring forward? Uh, you may have to go back a ways, and they may be trivial and trite, but we can always disqualify ourselves if we want to. The Amplified says, examine and test and evaluate yourselves, your own selves, to see whether you are holding to your faith and showing the proper fruits of it. Test and, here it is, test and prove yourselves not Christ. Aha, there's the answer right there. We don't have to test him. Lord, would you forgive me? Would you restore me? We don't have to test him. He is faithful to, and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. He said, I will do it. We don't have to test him. It's the test on me and on you is, will I receive it? Will I receive his righteousness? Will I receive his cleansing? Will I receive the gift of no condemnation? No verdict, no sentence, no verdict, no punishment following. Amen. 
So I have to, I have to take my, my back into my head or wherever, you, wherever y'all operate or where we operate that's condemning us, and I have to examine it. I have to evaluate it. I have to do it with the Word. I have to take my case, which means I have to deal with it honestly. The reason I don't feel confident about this is because what I did last week. I said some hateful things, some mean things to somebody, and I, they deserved it. Bless God, they deserved it. They picked me and did this, and I finally just broke loose and let them have it. And they deserved it. And hmm, I'm done with that. But six days later, when we're needing to go to God and be cleansed, that thing comes to the front. And we remember. We start evaluating our life according to human conduct instead of evaluating ourselves according to the word. Well, if you hadn't confessed it, it's still in there. And it's still messing up your righteousness in your head. So we have to go to 1 John and say, I'm going to confess this. I'm going to agree with heaven that what I did was ungodly, unrighteous, uncalled for. it, it It wasn't right. And we confess it out. Sometimes, I don't know when that'd be, sometimes I think the Lord wants you to go and confess it to them and say, I'm sorry. Y'all think he'd ever do that? Because then you're really clean. Because if you don't get that right, then every time you see them, you, you bring it forward. I wonder if they are still mad about that. I wonder if they remember that. I wonder if they thought I really was mean. And we bring it forward. And when you bring it forward, it's not as if you didn't ever sin. It's like, you know you did. So you have to get it straight. People that leave the church without God's directive, any church. But if, when, you, when you've been assigned to a church, and that's what most people that join a church believe, is I was assigned here. But they kind of have like a vacation mode on that. You know, I don't know how long I'll be here. No, that's a given. We don't know. But when you get married, you, you, you think, you tell people, I'm at the right place. I'm with the right woman. I'm with the right man. This, this is a keeper. And it's a tremendous thing to say I've changed my mind and God didn't direct me. But y'all know that's how most marriages are dissolved? It's... it's uh, God didn't say to. I'm just mad as thunder, and I'm getting out of here, and I don't have to take this anymore. Well, the same thing with leaving churches. People get mad. Y'all know we get mad? We don't like it. We don't, we don't agree. And so we lose our place in the body of Christ. We lose our standing. We suddenly think we're important and that we can make the call without God. Well, we can't. If he's assigned you to a church... He's got to unassign you. Otherwise, it's going to be like the third grade teacher that you had that you didn't like her. Or in my case, the seventh grade math teacher. Ah, but there was no option. There was no leave lever. Like, I was in Seagraves High School. First, I'd been in Palo Verde in Tucson, which had 5,500 students. And the school was so crowded that half the students went from 6 a.m. to noon and the other half went from noon to 6 p.m. Big school. It's, it's bigger, probably bigger than Shelton State. It was huge. And then I went to Seagraves, which is a little country town, 2300. And I was told somebody the first day, I said, Mr. Willingham, the principal, he is so good to me being a new student because he put all my classes in one hall. 
<laughs> it wasn't until the next day I found out everybody's classes was in the same hall because that's the only hall that had classes. So it's, it's kind of like that. It's, so people that leave the church without permission, without directive, then it's on them, especially when they see old members. You either got to say, mm, or you got to start making your case. Well, the reason I left is because of this and that. At any, at any rate, either way, it keeps, you in front, it, keeps it in front of you. The, the strife just never leaves because you don't deal with it. You don't come to the pastor and say, listen, and I've had them come this way. They come and say, you know, it's just not working for us. And I just bless them and help them and, and speak into their lives and prophesy. I just bless anybody that says, God's leading us because this isn't working for us. We like y'all. We love the word, but, you know, she, she's this and my kids are that or whatever. But people that just stomp off, I don't know why I'm talking about this, but people that just stomp off, it's not against the body they left, it's against the kingdom because it will afflict them in their receiving from healing or receiving from prosperity. It'll, it'll afflict them because it's always in front of them. They didn't resolve it. They didn't get a release. Y'all know what I'm talking about. So uh, if you're qualified, then be qualified. If you're qualified, be qualified. Deal with it, add it up, sign off on it, saying, bless God, I'm qualified. Well, what about this? I've dealt with it. I've confessed it before God, agreed with him. I've, in this case, I went to him and said, I'm sorry. I was just such a bad person. And I'm clean. I'm clean now. They forgave me. God's forgiven me, and I'm clean. So if you're qualified, be qualified. And then go to God and say, according to your word, by his stripes I was healed. And I'm here to do business. We're going to transact in my body right now. According to your word, I'm qualified. Nobody does that. That I can tell. So if you're going to be qualified, you ought to act qualified. Instead of having the tail between the legs posture of, I did bad and I don't know how to get back. Sure you do. Be spiritual. And get qualified because Jesus has qualified you. When, you. when you live this way, then you start living a life of divine life, divine health, or just healing in your body. We all got issues. And sometimes you can't straighten them up this far back. You can't, you can't go and bring it up and everything. You just have to go to God and say, that thing I did back in 02, it was wrong. I see it now. And I... I I release it. Please cleanse me. It wouldn't do any good. They wouldn't even know what I was talking about. It would just mess stuff up to, for me to go and tell them I'm sorry or not. I wrote this down, and I think it's important. That once you're qualified, you need to know your jurisdiction. You know what jurisdiction is. It's the domain or the boundaries of anybody's authority. They're, they're trying to take our authority, our jurisdiction away from our children and say, so you can't spank them. But we have a mandate from heaven to spank our children. Not, not time out, not you can't this or that. We, we have a mandate, and the word tells us why. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, and the rod of correction will drive it far from him. So jurisdiction, 
We, by the word, have jurisdiction over our own children, over our own money. We don't have somebody coming in saying we, we see how much money you've been making and you had this and you didn't do that. We have jurisdiction. We have jurisdiction in the church. We have jurisdictions all over the place that we have. But here's what he told me about six weeks ago, or eight. And you, I hope it means something to you. He told me access is not permission. Access is not permission. So I got to know my jurisdiction. I got to know what is under my authority, under my call. And if it's not, then I don't have permission, even though I may have access. I wrote down some things. Uh, for instance, not this church, but other churches, people, musicians often, get up and get the microphone. And they sing this wonderful thing, but then they have access. And they start giving a testimony or telling about the latest revelation they got or giving a story about their mother-in-law, ha, 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 and everything. Access is not permission. Just because you're holding the microphone doesn't mean you have permission to do anything but what you were told. You're out of your jurisdiction. So this microphone up here is a precious thing. And, uh, and actually, as pastor, I'm in charge of the microphone. But when I yield it to Brother Steve or Brother Joe or, or to Melissa or to anyone and say, hey, get up there and give your testimony. Get up there and share with this. Then you have jurisdiction. But you can't step over into that and say, well, I've got a little message here and start unfolding a piece of paper while you're up there and take a, take a it happens all the time. Uh, you have access to your gas pedal in your car, but it doesn't mean you have permission. You can drive the fool out of that thing but it doesn't mean you have permission to. It's called highway patrol. <laughs> you can fudge on your taxes, and most of the time, nobody will ever know. You have access. You can turn them in and sign them and say, this is how it is, so help me God. But it doesn't mean you have permission. Uh, you can call out bad doctrine in other people. They're there. You know them. You don't like what they think and how they believe. So you just rip them and strip them. You got access you know, until they leave. Then you probably never see them again. But you don't have permission. That's not kingdom. Uh, I wrote down you can share corporate secrets from whoever you work for. Not necessarily corporate, but you can say, hey, he does this and they do that. And, you know, I'm going to turn him in or something. That's access, but not permission. I talk about leaving the church without a directive. You can do it, but you don't have permission. Well, who's going to stop me? I can come to church wherever and whenever I want to. You do have access, but you do not have permission. We are set in the body. First Corinthians says, he has set the members in the body. Several he has, it has pleased him. So I'm as locked into this as I am to America to uh, pay my taxes, to, uh, to obey the speed limit. Most people don't like this, but I'm going to say it anyway. You're in a church like you are in a marriage. Until he gives you permission. And he does get permission to get out of marriages. People don't like that either. God's against divorce. He is against divorce. But he's a delivering God. And he will deliver you out of an abusive situation. 
And that requires divorce sometimes. Like I said, nobody likes that, but that is the truth. It's not that you make a mistake and, and married the wrong guy and you can't pray him out of it, you can't change everything. He's a delivering Jesus. But anyway, other than that, you can't get out and you can't get out of church. Um, when, here's, an, here's one, permission. Uh, denied, even though there's access. Now, this is going to be tricky. I'm, I'm talking to the... We're mature, so I can talk about this because I have no agenda. I am not on money from you. I, not at all. But not tithing in a financial crutch, you got access. You can do anything you want to. You can write the check for as much. You can put in as much money. You have access. But do we ever, as Christians, have permission to not tithe? You go, well, we just didn't have it. You know, we always have it when we take our tithe out at the paycheck. In other words, before it goes in the deposit into the bank, into the bank there's a check written. You write it out, River Church or whatever. And then it, you never run out at the end of the month and say, golly, here, we're going to church on Sunday. I, I better, oh, we don't have enough to write the tithe. We'll just do, we'll do the best we can. That's access, but it's not permission. I'm just trying to help. Uh, gossip is access without permission. Would you all agree with that? You can gossip and nobody will turn you in, but you don't have permission. The word tells us that. Uh, you can be snarky. That's my new word this year. Snarky. Say things under the table that are just nobody can really say, but, but it's snarky. It's, it's abusive. It's, it's snarky. Uh, you can be sick. You have access to being sick. Do we have permission to be sick? Now, this is tricky because people say, I can do anything I want with my body. Not if Jesus is Lord. I know this is picky, but this is not religious. Uh, we can choose our flesh. I've chose him a bunch of times and regretted it every time. I had access. I could do anything I wanted with my body. I mean, that didn't require me to stand on one foot and, you know, things physically. I can withhold affection. <laughs> you ever been around those people that withhold their affection because they're teaching you that I'm not happy and I'm not, I'm not hugging on you. I've had that happen to me at any time. I'll just go in there for the bear hug because I am a hugger. And uh, this, is, this is what met me. I, it wasn't a warm fuzzy for me, but uh, we, we have access to that, but we don't have permission to withhold affection. Uh, uh, well, I have wrote that down. Demand, when you're in a position of authority, you can demand things that are not permission. You have access. And lastly, just because I was just getting off on stuff, you could steal time from your employer. He can't catch you hardly. So you have access, but you don't have permission, according to the Word. So these are just some things. You can think of other things. Turn with me to Acts 22. Ah, oh, let's go to Acts 22, and then we'll quit. We'll quit. I am going to enjoy this series because it's helping me so much. The reason you all get what you get from me is because usually that's what the Lord's dealing with me about. And it's like... 
he takes me through stuff. And so I bring it to you. Chapter 22 of Acts. Look at this jurisdiction thing in verse 24. 22, 24. Now this is about Paul. The chief captain commanded him to be brought into the castle and bade that he should be examined by scourging. You know what that means. They're, they're going to they're gonna afflict him until he says what they want to know. What do we call it now? Uh, when, you, when, you put some, when you put somebody in, put them underwater and bring torture? Yeah, waterboard, that, all those things. It's, it, that's what this scourging means. <laughs> that he might know wherefore they cried so against him. And as they bound him with thongs, Paul said unto the centurion that stood by, Is it lawful for you to scourge a man that is a Roman and uncondemned? When the centurion heard that, he went and told the chief captain, saying, Take heed what thou doest, for this man is a Roman. Then the chief captain came and said unto him, Tell me, art thou a Roman? He said, Yea. And the chief captain answered, With a great sum I obtained this freedom. And Paul said, But I was free born. Then straightway they departed from him that which should have examined him. And the chief captain also was afraid after he knew that he was a Roman and because he had bound him. So here we have his jurisdiction. He was going to do some whooping up on Paul. Because he was under his control. He had access to his body. But Paul said, if you, take if you have access to me outside of jurisdiction, outside of permission, everybody's going to suffer because you can't go past your jurisdiction without a personal cost to you. And that's how it is with us. We cannot go out of our jurisdiction without a personal cost. In other words, the Lord will stay with you if you stay in jurisdiction. You can't take your kids and be mad at them and not feed them for five days. That's outside of your jurisdiction. Can you? You're the parent. Does anybody going to know? Not for a while. But there will be a cost to that. Don't y'all know? So access is not permission. So we're going back to qualifying. That's what we're talking about, qualifying. Is to stay qualified where I am not condemned in me. I have to stay in my jurisdiction. I have to stay where I have permission. And if I do, then I can stand before him and examining and proving myself saying, I'm clean. I believe I receive healing right now because I'm clean. Here's the process. I Even when we take communion, you know the word says in 1 Corinthians 11, said, let him examine himself. That's a big controversial thing. Well, what do you do? Let him examine himself to receive. He said, don't be going in there saying, I, not saying ever, telling everybody, I'm clean, I'm good, I'm just like y'all, when you hadn't dealt with things. The, the work of the communion, the, the eating his flesh and the drinking his blood will come back on you if you try to take it with access, but without permission, without jurisdiction. He said, just because you're crunching on the bread and just because you're sipping on the, the, the juice does not mean that you are righteous to do it. You've got to examine yourself and say, okay, Lord, I, this is the time for me to get forgiveness. This is the time for me to get clean. This is the time for me to get ready to receive. 
And when we do, we examine ourselves, we get clean. Well, it's a little, little tricky in this, but it's going to be powerful. It's going to be powerful. We didn't even get to the first thing. There are several things that I've come up with that I believe that we can be qualified. Things that would test us. Uh, The first one that I have, and I'll share with it next week if we can, is that you believe the scripture that says, with God, all things are possible. If you don't believe that, if you're not like, as surely as I'm born again, I believe all things are possible to me, then you're disqualified. Not from heaven, but from receiving down here. Because you'll always start short, stop short of the miracle. You'll always say, that, that's too much. I don't deserve that much. Well, if it wasn't that much, it wouldn't be considered impossible. So we'll talk about that. That's, but there's many things. The name of Jesus. We've got to be able to, to, to get healing. We've got to be able to handle the name of Jesus. You can't just go in there and say, well, whatever, whatever, by the name of Jesus. Yeah. We're talking about a nuclear switch here with the name of Jesus. And if we're going to pull on that switch, we better be ready. And we can be. Amen. So I bless you in Jesus' name. I bless you to be qualified in your heart. That we would examine and prove and test ourselves. So that we'd be qualified, that we would have all that heaven has apportioned to us, that we would fulfill our jurisdiction. We'd leave nothing on the table. We, have, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't leave anything on the table. Is that an amen? We wouldn't leave anything. Well, I just don't want to be healed. We'd leave nothing on the Everything that the covenant of grace has apportioned to us, we take it all. Every time. In Jesus' name, we say yes, Lord. We say yes. We say we want it all. We want to taste. We want to taste this life that you have apportioned to us through the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus. He paid the price. And Lord, we'll receive the price. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Wow. That was a mouthful. I want healing in my life to be, uh, what do they call it, on demand. Used to, you had to wait till 7.30 to watch Gunsmoke because that's when, the, that's when they were going to air it. And you had to, but now you can just look up Gunsmoke and say, yeah. Hit the button and gun smoke, and then you pause it and go eat some Doritos and, and uh, freshen up your breath and, and then come back and just punch in and gun smoke's still going. I want healing like that to be on demand. When I need it, when I'm ready to receive it, we just go in and punch the button. Amen. God bless you. I bless you in Jesus' name. If you need healing, now this is a different kind of healing. If you need healing, we will lay hands on you and you will recover. This other, we're just talking about if you're just off on your own and you say, I, I want to get this on my own. 
you will be powerful when you reach that place. Amen. Amen.